I don't flip phones anymore. I flip houses. Rob <laughs> tried that joke before we started recording, too. <laughs> hey, everyone, and welcome to Popular Science's Techathlon, tech news through games, trivia, and usually friendly competitions. I'm your host, Jason Letterman, and joining me today are Corinne, skipping straight to 6G IOZO. Super duper fast. Stan, voice assistant who got fired for saying radical too much horror check. Do you like how long my nickname is this week? <laughs> yeah, thanks for making <laughs> me read that. Yeah, you did a good job. Oh, though. thanks, bud. And Rob, I'd flip that phone, Verger. Hi, how's it going? Great. First up, as always, is last week in tech. Each of our panelists will pitch a story that caught their attention since our last episode. It might be the most important tech story of the week, or it might just be their favorite. And because we're a chatty bunch and usually talk over each other, each panelist will have 60 glorious seconds all to themselves. After that, we'll open the floor to questions, comments, concerns from our panel. Corinne, why don't you go first this week? What would you like to talk about? I'm going to talk about a new electric vehicle from Volvo that is going to give the Tesla Model 3 a little bit of a challenge. All right, Corinne, your time starts now. Last week, we learned about a car called the Polestar 2. Now, Polestar is a company that you might not have heard of, but they're actually owned by Volvo. The car maker bought them in 2015. This is an all-electric car, and it's a pretty big deal because it's looking squarely in the eyes of the Tesla Model 3. And it's reaching for sort of what's the brass ring of all electric vehicles, which is inching towards 300 miles range on a single charge. The base model of this car is looking at about 275 miles, and that gets topped out by the upgraded Tesla Model 3s. But the most important thing to keep in mind here is that this car is coming from Volvo, and they have such a better track record in terms of delivery than places like Tesla, which have honestly struggled a lot with that in the past. And Ten seconds. it has all the things that we love about electric cars. It's got a nice giddy-up, zero to 60 in five seconds. We're going to start seeing five. them rolling off the line later this year, and everybody's really looking forward to it. So you're saying they're not going to make this in a tent? No. <laughs> like they do with some Teslas. No, and they fixed a lot of the problems that they had with their original model. People didn't like the Polestar one because the configuration of the battery and the engine were a little bit screwy. So there wasn't much room in the cabin and there was no storage. This one, the battery just lays completely flat across the floor, the bottom of the chassis, which is great. It's also all-wheel drive, which people really like. And Volvo doesn't have to worry about their CEO tweeting crazy things and getting in trouble. No. Maybe he should. Maybe that's a good strategy now, right? And, it, you know, you said zero to 60 in five seconds. And it's weird because we're in a spot now where that's not impressive anymore for an SUV. But that's a pretty impressive. Zero to 60 in five seconds is pretty, pretty fast. I feel like now we're sort of spoiled in that we have these supercars and electric cars that can do it in under three seconds, which is just absurdly scary. If you've never done it, it's just wild. It's in, it's like the insane mode on the Teslas where literally you just hit a button and the car just completely unlocks and shoots off the line. Because unlike an internal combustion engine, you don't have to wait for the thing to spool up. You're just like, ready? Okay, we're going now. Yeah, we're seeing that with electric motorcycles now these days too. Like they just crazy acceleration, crazy torque. You know, you need special onboard systems to make sure you don't spin the back wheel. And the other thing that's cool about this car is it has an Android operating system baked in. So a lot of the, the apps that we all use regularly on our mobile phones are just right there. Like there's Google Maps just built right into the car, which you is great. You can just take over the whole windshield with Instagram. Like I'm bored of the road. 
Where are the bikini models and lunch pictures? It can park itself, Stan. It can drive itself. Rob, I think you're up next. What would you like to talk about? I would like to talk about a cute new robot from FedEx. Aww. All right. Well, start now. So FedEx just announced and revealed this new delivery bot. They call it the Same Day Bot, which is, I feel like, kind of an unoriginal name. But it's this cute little electric robot. It has camera on, cameras on it. It has LiDAR on it, which kind of lets it perceive its surroundings. And the idea is that FedEx uh, or you know other places could use this to deliver things to customers within a couple miles. Like Walgreens or Pizza Hut could deliver a pizza, for example, to people. And so it's this little autonomous bot. It goes down the street. They unveil it. On the Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon, the robot even delivered uh, Jimmy Fallon (laughs) a pizza. Um, And what's cool about it, it has these four wheels and these two kind of extra little wheels up in front that almost look like the arms of a T-Rex, you know, the the way they're like positioned like that. And it can actually do things like climb stairs, go over obstacles. And Ten seconds. It joins a field of other bots, like uh, one from Postmates called Serve, one from Amazon called Scout. Five seconds. So we're seeing a lot of little robots out there these days that are meant to deliver things. At some point, we're going to have so many tiny robots driving around on the sidewalk that I feel like we should just replace the sidewalk with, like, that baggage carousel from the airport. When you order something on Amazon, they can just throw it out onto the sidewalk. When it goes by your house, you can just go and grab it off the moving sidewalk. It's putting an awful lot of trust in the rest of humanity. Well, the Amazon police force <laughs> naturally <laughs> will watch over the us. The Amazon drone and police. And then if you steal a package, you will go to the Amazon jail and then you will be tasked with putting the Amazon packages onto the Amazon airport sidewalk. So is this little guy meant to go around on his own, or is he kind of a little helper to so, to the delivery guy? It's totally autonomous. So it's meant to be so that if you worked at a Walgreens and somebody ordered something, like a toothbrush that they want to deliver to their home, you could ideally send this robot to carry the toothbrush for you to this person's home and then deliver the toothbrush. And a lot of companies are doing things like this. I will be curious to know if in five years are our sidewalks totally crowded with things like this, or is this a fad that doesn't actually prove to be that useful in the end? Man, all those Postmates couriers are going to be pissed. Seriously. Yeah. The interesting question to me is about what this is going to do for consumption in general, because Seamless is already one step away from that, where I'm like, I can order food and I have to talk to a person for one second and I get my food. Like If I'm to the point now where I can like order any embarrassing thing I want from Walgreens, have it show up and no one you know, judge me to my face except for this <laughs> tiny robot. Like, I wonder if I'm going to just order way more stupid stuff because I can. Why yeah, wouldn't the robot I? comes to your door and... I mean, whenever a I just, no, hold on. I want to know what Stan wants to order. <laughs> Do you want to? You just skipped a major beat. Do you want right? to see my? Uh, f- Quick, what's the last thing in your Amazon foot, cart? Go. Foot fungus cream and <laughs> back issues of Women's Day that I found on the shelf. Are those embarrassing? Pizza favored Pringles and Ace bandages. That's oh God, awesome. I love the pizza flavored Pringles. They're so good. Diaper no. cream. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. Thanks, Rob. Uh, Stan, you're up last today. Tell me what you're going to talk about. You ready to be tantalized? I'm going to talk about a hotspot. Whoa. <laughs> An internet hotspot. All right. Thrilling. Uh, your 60 seconds starts now. 5G is coming. We talk about it a lot. We're going to talk about it a lot more. It's going to be the next thing that feeds your smartphone with data, and it probably will also be the next thing to feed your house with data as well. The problem is that all the hardware is going to take a really long time to catch up to gobble up all of this 5G. So the new thing that came out at Mobile World Congress last week was 
a 5G hotspot from HTC. It's called the 5G Hub. And it pulls in, using a 5G antenna, it pulls in the 5G waves. And then what it can do from there is either send out 5G to other devices that have the radio. So if you have like the upcoming uh, Galaxy S10 5G or, or a different phone like that, you can use it. But if you don't have 5G, it will take that data and sling it out via Wi-Fi 6 or something else uh, that your device can use. So you can get this really fast internet. Five seconds. You can actually use it. And it's going to be an important thing as we transition. Do you need like a subscription service or something to use this? Yeah, you'll have to s subscribe to a 5G service. Uh, and right now, I think Sprint is the one who's using it. They have like nine cities going at the moment. But like by the end of 2019, we expect to see 5G just showing up and turning on a lot more. Um, so like uh, this, this is sort of like bridge hardware to help you get a cool new whiz-bang thing and actually use it rather than, you know, getting it and then not being able to use it or just being like, well, I, was, I have this fancy new phone and it's not performing up to its potential. So if I get like a Samsung, you know, S10, the 5G one you're just referencing, and I have it on the Sprint network, then this little device, uh, you know, in my house would help me make my phone be faster. Yeah, well, you can connect to it. It's it's essentially trying to replace your Wi-Fi network in your home that you have now. So instead of having like a cellular network and a, a home Wi-Fi router, you would just be trusting this 5G service with all of your stuff. Because 5G, one of the benefits of it is that it can send signal out to a lot of different devices at once without slowing down. So this thing, it can have 20 different devices operating at really high speed internet at the same time off of a 5G connection. So that's the idea, is that it's just a big octopus just throwing out 5G data so you can order your Women's Day issues and pizza Pringles and then have your robot deliver it to you. Those are the hottest tech stories of the week, at least by our measure. What would you like to hear us talk about? Let us know by tweeting at us at Techathlon Show. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Last week, Mobile World Congress, the year's biggest smartphone show, wrapped up. Over the course of the show, we learned about dozens of new phones. Samsung stole the spotlight early with its Galaxy Fold bendable phone, but not to be outdone, other companies launched their own flashy gadgets. As we look forward to these launches and the first hands-on reviews of the new phones, we're going to play a game called Auto Fill in the Blank. I'll read the name of a newly announced phone, and one of our panelists will tell us a little something about it. Then we'll get a sneak peek of a product review courtesy of our panelists' autofill on their smartphones. They will begin a new text message on their phone and then only hit the middle button of autofill suggestions to complete the review. Corinne, we're going to go to you first. Let's talk about the Huawei Mate X. The Mate X, like the Samsung Galaxy Fold, is a bending phone. The big difference here, though, is that where the Samsung phone has a screen on the outside and then you open it up like a book to reveal a screen on the inside, the Mate X has a screen that essentially wraps around the outside of the book like a cover. And then when you want to see the full breadth of the tablet-sized screen, which is about eight inches when it's unfolded, you just open it up and can either use it like a sandwich board, stand it up on the table, or lay it flat on the table like a tablet. It costs about $2,600. And when can we expect it to launch? It's going to come out sometime this year. It pretty much depends on which country you're in because it's an international release. So those just time out based on um, where the company is sending the phones at that point. Got it. All right, Corinne. We're going to review this phone right now. Let's hear your autofill in the blank. Okay. The Huawei Mate X to me, no, 
that you have been working with the uh, car that I have had to go get home from the gym. That sounds like an article I wrote earlier today. File to stand. <laughs> I do like using my phone in my car and on the gym. <laughs> Thank you, Corinne and Corinne's smartphone. Stan, your backup. Tell me about the OnePlus 5G. Oh, do you want to know about the OnePlus 5G? I would like to know about the OnePlus 5G. Well, it's pretty much like every other OnePlus phone, except it has 5G, which is the really the theme of Mobile World Congress. In fact, OnePlus didn't even really show off their phone very much. They put it in this like adorable plastic coffin and then sealed it under glass so no one could touch it. But it's going to have 5G. OnePlus makes kind of cool phones, actually, feature phones. It's not a company that a lot of people maybe are familiar with here in the U.S. because... They aren't Samsung or Apple or Sony. Um, it's coming later this year. We don't know a lot about it, but it's it's representative of a lot of phones that are going to be coming down the line. What does your phone think about the OnePlus 5G? The OnePlus 5G was a great time with the family. Hub is a good game to go play and get to know what you Wanna is <laughs> the most. What awesome. you wanna is <laughs> yes, the, and then, most the most awesome. And then it suggested the clapping emoji. So <laughs> because I did a really great job. Thank you, phone. You're Proud right. Of you. I did do a great yeah, job. Soft claps. <laughs> All right, Rob, let's talk about LG's G8 Think with a Q. Yeah, some interesting things to know about this phone. One is that the speaker is actually built into the screen. The screen is the speaker. Another is that the way you unlock it is with your palm. It uses hand ID, which I think is looking at the veins in your palm to recognize those and unlock it that way. So <laughs> phones unlock in many different ways, and this one's using your palm. Yeah, the vein reading is weird. That is weird, right? It's pretty crazy. All right, Rob, what does your phone want to tell us about the G8 Think by LG? So the LG G8 Think was the day I was just finished my hair and got a little late and I'm so tired of my life. Oh, God. And my <laughs> mom and oh, no. my sister oh, and no. her. Oh, God. I'm going to stop reading this because <laughs> it's it's saying words I type a lot, but I think it's twisting them into some context that makes me sound really sad. And I'm that's, not. that's pleading the fifth yeah. on your phone. No more. Rob Bot is upset. Your life is a rich tapestry, Rob. <laughs> my, my life is great. I'm really happy with my life. But the phone. But not your sister. The, the, my, I love my sister. <laughs> I love that it said, I'm tired. <laughs> I am tired. I, I text that all the time. Every actually. single person's predictive text should say, I'm tired. Like, yeah. first. That should be the first yep. thing it says. Are you tired? <laughs> I'm tired. I want coffee. I'm tired, too. But we're going to keep pushing through to our next game called Don't Stat Me. Get it? It's like, don't at me, but don't stat me. Are we supposed to laugh? I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, it's a pun. You're not supposed to laugh. You're supposed to think uh. it's terrible and then accept it. <laughs> this week, we're going to take a look at the sometimes loving relationships people have with their smart assistants like Alexa. 
Stan, I'm going to throw over to you to play this game. Yeah. Last week, Adobe Analytics released its most recent survey about how people use and perceive voice assistants like Alexa and Google Assistant. So I pulled some of the stats out, and now I'm going to see if you guys can tap into this hive mind and answer a couple trivia questions about the results. Everybody's going to get their own question because otherwise I can't keep track of what all you people are yelling at me. So, Corinne, we're going to start with you. Oh, goody. What percentage of people say that they use a smart speaker in the bathroom? Is it above 5% or below 5%? It's got to be above because people like their shower tunes. It is. It's, yes. But it's only 6%, which it seems crazy really? low to me, right? Well, none yeah. of them are waterproof, are they? That's the thing that I – that the thing I came away from this whole thing was is like why does nobody make a really good – why isn't there like a Google Home shower? An Echo Dot Aqua. Yeah. Or so, there used to be – there probably still are shower heads with the speaker built into them. Because somebody should get on that. <laughs> you get them from Brookstone or Sky Mall. Oh, I think. for sure. Yeah, definitely. You can definitely at the mall. <laughs> and they glow different colors. No, that's the Bang and Olufsen one. You can get the you uh, Ultimate Ears makes the like a Wonder Boom or something like that. That's waterproof that you can do, but it's sort of big and doesn't really fit in your. I don't know. I, I think this is an untapped market. So Google <laughs> tapped and Alyssa, if you're listening, ma- make me a shower radio and shut up. All right, number two, Jason, since you are sitting over there. Yes. It's probably not much of a surprise, but 74% of people in the survey said they use their smart speaker to play music, making tunes the most popular function. The second most commonly used feature checked in at 66%. Is it A, asking fun questions, B, alarms or reminders, or C, weather forecasts? I feel like the answer is alarms and reminders, but I do weather more, but I'm going to say reminders should have gone with your gut it's weather forecast uh, the, mm. uh, asking fun questions came in at 58 percent, which is number three and alarms and reminders was 49 percent, number four wait people actually ask them questions quote unquote fun questions fun yes. questions <laughs> yeah all the time i mean you're just like hey okay google where are my pringles who Since invented post-its sense. yeah that's the kind of crap that yeah how old is obama Where do I bury the body? (laughs) (laughs) All right, Rob, your question. Okay. Everyone made fun of the Alexa microwave last year, but voice-enabled appliances are on the rise. Adobe asked its audience which types of devices they would want to include a voice assistant. Did more responders want a voice assistant in the washer-dryer or the fridge? I'm going to just guess uh, fridge. No, it was washer-dryer. 14% of people said they wanted a voice-enabled Washer dryer and only eleven percent said fridge. What I is think, it that they want to talk to their washer dryers yeah, about? All those people are wrong. <laughs> <laughs> their desires you, are just stupid. Is it just that I want to be able to say I'm putting in towels? Make like you're doing the towels, or set a timer and ping me when it's done. I actually, I would totally ask my fridge if I'm out of things. I actually have voice assistant washer dryer, and it's called my kids. And I go, <laughs> put all this stuff in the washer or the dryer. Works great. All right. So you're doing terrible, which is good. That's making this more entertaining. All right. Uh, some hey, other stats I, about this. 42% of people said they wanted a TV, which was the most. Uh, 29% said car. 12% said they wanted a voice assistant in their oven. And 33% said they wanted it in none. <laughs> <laughs> all I'm I know that. is that 100% of the time, I'm right 50% of the time. That's true. All right, back to Corinne. Yes. Which age group had the highest percentage of users with voice assistants? Oh, God, this is so ripe for me to get in trouble. Go on. A, 18 to 34, B, 35 to 54, or C, 55 to 64? 
So the standard ones. The standard ones. The standard age brackets yeah, that the people one, advertise to. The ones that advertisers use to just twist your mind into a capitalist frenzy. Yeah, I don't remember the specific numbers, but the middle thing. It is the middle thing. You're right. Wow. Like she didn't even have to remember the numbers. Yeah, it was 35 to 54 has 40% people use it. The second was 18 to 34 at 40%. And then 55 to 64 was at 37%. So it was a pretty close race. Yeah. And the 65 and up bracket was 25%. So getting up there. Still one in four. Sure. Jason, like it or not, you're going to start hearing more and more advertisements via your smart speaker in the future. After all, what's a good gadget if it can't constantly sell you things? Of the people surveyed, what percentage of the people thought the ads in voice assistants were more intrusive than other types of ads like TV, print, and online? Is it greater than 50 or less than 50? Greater. It was less than 50. What? what? No. No. That's wrong. Those yeah. people are wrong. Wow. I'm alarmed. 38% of people think that the ads are more intrusive. People I, like voice voice ads. They I guess like, so weird. I mean, podcast ads. Yeah. I get it. You don't like podcast ads that go on for seven minutes before the podcast gets started? By All right, way, we're going to take a quick break <laughs> from our sponsors. All right, so Jason's still bad. Now, Rob, you have a chance to still not win if you get this one right. <laughs> woo Similar data from 2017 showed that just 37% of people thought voice assistants worked, quote, well. True or false, the number of people who think they work well now is over 50%. What was the previous percentage? 37%. That's just two years ago. I would say true. I'm probably wrong, but it's my guess. No, it's true. 54% think they work well, while 41% say they work just okay. Hmm. And just 5% say they work poorly. In 2017, <laughs> 35% of people said that they worked poorly, so making progress. Yeah, they've definitely gotten a lot better over the last couple of years. Yeah. I had a tiebreaker. Do you want it? Mm-hmm. Sure. It's everybody gets to guess. Yeah. The lowest percentage for uses of a smart speaker was, quote, unquote, managing finances. <laughs> what percent of users say they use their voice assistant to manage finances? What is it, Price is Right rules? What's happening right now? Well, no, it's just whoever gets closest because I'm not going to give you any hints. This was supposed to be the tiebreaker if you guys didn't suck as bad. Wow. Uh, 2%. 1%. 3%. Well, Rob wins. He prices right at everyone. It was 5% (sighs) of people. I don't understand. Alexa, do my taxes. Alexa, (laughs) sell, sell, sell. Well, good job, everyone who's Corinne. (laughs) Yay, Corinne. Thanks, Stan. I'm the best. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back after this. Welcome back. Last week, Kickstarter took down a campaign launched to remove a rat from the final scene of Martin Scorsese's 2006 Oscar-winning film, The Departed. Oh, sorry. The Departed. 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 Director Adam Sachs sought to raise $4,000 to edit the gangster movie's ending, removing the cheesy and superfluous street creature. Warner Brothers ended up filing an intellectual property complaint, though, and saying that the campaign violated their copyright. Which Classic. it probably does. Which 100, Which are, yeah, yeah, you can't take somebody's thing and then change it and then sell it and call it your own. That's no, not how that no. goes. Of course, this isn't the only time filmmakers have turned to crowdfunding to realize their cinematic dreams. So I'm going to play a game with our panel now called Films Just Want to Have Funds. I'll read the description of six crowdfunded films and panel. You will work together and decide whether these films are true or I should crowdfund them because they're amazing. All right, here we go. Number one, Atlas Shrugged Part Three. 
From the people who brought you the films Atlas Shrugged Parts 1 and 2 comes the third and final part of this trilogy. The film raised nearly double its goal of $250,000, but only grossed about $850,000, which is very bad considering its total budget was $5 million. The film was released in 2014 and was universally panned by critics. It's one of the few films on Rotten Tomatoes where the critic score is 0%. <laughs> 0%. Zero, I mean, this honestly sounds terrible enough to be true. Yeah. Just in terms of the sheer, even just the finances of it. Like, it's the stuff Kickstarter nonsense is made of. Yeah. Somebody sold all their reared in metal in order to. <laughs> that's a joke about an Ayn Rand book. Do, do people like <laughs> Ayn Rand jokes? Because I don't. I don't know. I regret making it. Okay. We don't, can don't at me. Leave it in. Don't stat me. Yeah. Don't no, anything. No. This is true because it's This sucks. is 100% It makes true. me so depressed that it's true. It has to be, right? Rob, you on board with I'm us? I'm on board. I, okay. Rob shrugged, but he shrugged. <laughs> he shrugged in a way that suggested yes. Yeah, it's 100% true. The Kickstarter thanked Glenn Beck, Rand Paul, and Penn Gillette, uh for publicizing the campaign. It's 100% true. Number two is called New Newton. This is a time travel film and a classic case of you have to assume the role of your hero, in this case, Isaac Newton, because it turns out they never existed and it was you all along. It stars Kyle Chandler of Argo fame, along with a few others you've probably never heard of. The Kickstarter raised $62,000, just $2,000 more than their goal. It holds a 31% critics rating on Rotten Tomatoes, though fans like it slightly more, giving it a 32% rating. I don't know. I find this dubious because the reference for Kyle Chandler being Argo instead of Friday Night Lights I find very confusing, but that has nothing to do with the project. I have no idea who any of those people are. <laughs> I mean, I honest, I think it's a coin a coin toss. I really do. Corinne I think it's fake. Corinne has heard of these people. Maybe Rob has, so I defer to them. Rob? I think it's fake. Uh, yeah, I made this one up. But would you watch it? Are you trying to start Kickstarters? No. Is that what this segment is about, Jason? No. Do not fund. Will would not, would not I would, fund. I would never abuse my power on a podcast to crowdfund ideas. <laughs> <laughs> Number three is Ass Backwards. This film stars comedians June Diane Raphael and Casey Wilson as best friends who meet after tying for last place in a beauty pageant. Years later, they take a road trip home to try and win as adults the pageant's anniversary. The film was actually shot, but then had to kickstart to finish when, quote, money that was supposed to come in simply didn't. The film was released in 2013 and holds very mixed reviews at 29% critics rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Does this sound like a Romeo and Michelle ripoff to anybody else? Just uh, slightly. Have no. I never seen a movie? Do I know, know what <laughs> movies are? <laughs> I don't know. I just go home and watch TV. That's literally all I ever do. This sounds real. This so I like the idea that they made part of it, and then they were like, damn, we don't have enough to make the rest of it. That sounds like exactly why people would use Kickstarter. Which They're just a bunch of amateurs, and they're like, wait, editing costs money? Weird. Yeah. <laughs> yes, this is a real thing. Yeah, it's totally real. They were in the middle of production, and I think some of the, the funders pulled out. So they just had to stop filming. It wasn't the editing. Oh, fine. Number four is called The Sweet Blood of Jesus. The Sweet Blood of Jesus is the first Spike Lee joint to be kickstarted. The film is about an archaeologist who accidentally gets stabbed with an ancient spike and becomes a vampire, though Lee swears it's not a remake of Blackula. It raised $1.4 million, just $150,000 more than Lee was trying to raise. 
The film was released in 2014 and received mixed reviews, hovering at about a 44% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes. I feel like if Spike Lee had crowdfunded a thing, we would know about it. Yeah, I wouldn't think he'd have to crowdfund a thing. I think you made it up, Jason. I really do. What do you think, Stan? I don't know. It, it's kind of like necessity is not the mother of a Kickstarter at this point because like there are lots of companies that have plenty of money that just do Kickstarter as like a way to get promotion for a thing. It's just a marketing tool. So it's entirely possible that he was just like, well, instead of paying a million dollars for marketing, I'll make a million dollars from marketing, (laughs) which is kind of a smart thing to do, even if it sucks for everyone involved. So I don't know. I honest, I've never heard of this movie, but if it's true, hey, who knows? Rob, you're the deciding vote. I'm going with fake. No, it's real. Stan's 100% right. That's exactly what happened. (laughs) Nice job, Stan. Yay. My movie is going to do the same thing, except it's not a movie. It's a new kind of toaster. Sorry, I don't have any any more jokes. (laughs) (laughs) Number five is called Balls Out. From YouTuber Andrew Disney comes the film Balls Out, a film about an intramural football team of college seniors. It stars several SNL actors, alums, and writers, including Kate McKinnon, Beck Bennett, and Jay Farrow. Kickstarted under the name Intramural the Movie, the movie raised $53,000, just barely making the cut above the 50k they were looking for. Balls Out holds an 80% critics rating on Rotten Tomatoes and was praised by the New York Times. Yeah, if you take the word YouTube out of that description, that sounds really great. Yeah. <laughs> and I would be into it. I'm going to say this one's real just because I hope it's real and I'm going to watch it I later. know. I really, I very much want to bookmark it on my phone right now. I like those uh, SNL players. Yeah, yeah, all real. Hmm. It's, I wonder if it's like Necessary Roughness, the Sam Bakula classic. <laughs> Sam Bakula, Kathy Ireland classic. Oh, when Kathy Ireland was the kicker. She was the kicker. She was yeah. the kicker. That was great. All right, last one. This is, <laughs> Corinne, you actually already said the name of this movie. It's called Rob Bot, so I put it not <laughs> included on this list. It's the Rob Verger story. After accountant Rob, played by Rupert Grint of Harry Potter fame, gets into a fatal car crash, his corpse is purchased and revived by a billionaire scientist who uses nanobots to repair Rob's body. And though his brain is rewired to the point of being a supercomputer able to do millions of calculations per second, he can no longer make human connections, alienating him from his friends and family. The film wanted to bring in a half a million dollars, but raised nearly $900,000, in large part due to Grint's wizarding fame. It ended up as a flop, though. It was just an 18% critics rating on Rotten Tomatoes. I just want everybody to know that through that entire description of the superhuman robot powers, he was just nodding like, mm-hmm, that's me. Rob. Mm-hmm. Rob mm-hmm. was. Mm-hmm. Processing. Mm-hmm. Processing. Yep. <laughs> yep. So Robbot, real or not? I want to say this one's fake because I see. it seems very unlikely that... Swiss Army Man, which involves messing around with another guy from Harry Potter's corpse, is a movie. Like, I don't think messing around with Harry Potter actor corpses is a genre of movies. (laughs) I I think it's made up because it hits so close to home in terms of the joke in the office that I'm actually a robot. And I think it's fake because I know how much Jason loves Harry Potter, and that is clearly something that would just come right out of his brain matter to be a fake movie. I forgot about Swiss Army Man when I wrote this one. Uh, a, I love Swiss Army Man. That's a great movie. It is. I think anyone who's famous, I think the lesson we learned here is that anyone who's famous enough can just make a Kickstarter and it'll be successful, just like anything else. But you made that crap up, right? Yes, I made that one up. All right, well, you guys win my brand new movie, which is also a toaster. Congratulations. Can you guys believe I won again? <laughs> <I'm> so, <laughs> Stan, it's amazing. getting embarrassing. Every week I, I just win. All I do is win. 
Great job, Stan. Great job, everybody. Thank you for listening. We will catch you next week playing another round of Popular Science's Techathlon. Techathlon is a popular science podcast. We're available on all major podcast platforms, so subscribe wherever you're listening now. And if you like what you hear, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It will help other people to find the show. You can buy our merch, including t-shirts, tote bags, and mugs at popsci.threadless.com. The show is produced by the entire PopSci tech team and me, Jason Letterman. Our theme music is by Billy Cadden. If you have questions, suggestions, or opinions to share, tweet us at Show. Thanks for listening.